Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. This is the armor of God. And if you're coming in, I'll just kind of help catch you up to date. But here while back, my daughter, Oakland, I, we have two daughters. We're, my wife's pregnant with our third daughter. Any day now, we'll have a third daughter. Hallelujah. And a while back, my daughter, Oakland, she just out of the blue just got 104 fever. This was uncharacteristic of her. You know, she's broke teeth. She's done other stuff like that. And this was just not normal. She's never, you know, that, that, that wasn't a normal thing. Because I know different babies, when they tea, when whatever, you know, they'll kind of respond differently. This was very uncharacteristic of her. Not only did she have a high fever, she was just completely lethargic. I mean, from the, she woke up perfectly fine within two hours. She was just like this lethargic, limp body that had 104 fever. Well, I don't know if you don't, you may not know me, but I stand firm on the word of God. And when I look at the word, I could just go frontwards and backwards of, of this re- realization here that, Lord, that doesn't belong to me and it doesn't belong to my family. Amen. Are you following me? And so my daughter gets this, this fever. And I sit there and I, I, I'm sitting here thinking, Lord, this ain't right. You said no plague would come near my dwelling. Amen. That means that this doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to my children. It's not right that, that she's having to go through this right now. And so I said, what's going on? Because let me tell you something. The word is true. The Bible says, let the word be true and every man a liar. So God is always true. God is always right. We don't need to start bending the word and reinventing the word to fit with our current circumstance. And that's what people do is do people go through horrible things? Yes, people go through some horrible things. But what they'll end up doing is they'll start changing the word to conform to their circumstance, right? Well, even, even right now, maybe some of you in this room, when you heard me say those first few statements, you said, but John, that's impossible. We can't really walk free from sickness and disease. Why are you thinking that? Because you're living in this earthly realm that, well, you know, everybody's going to get sick once in a while, right? Everybody's going to have to go through those battles every once in a while. That's not what the Bible says. Now, is that what people experience Yes, sometimes that's what people experience, but the Bible is the authority, and it's true, right? And so we need to learn to stand on that word. And I said, Lord, I know your word. This is not right. And I said, there's a problem, obviously. And if there's a problem, it's not with you, Lord. There must be a problem somewhere else. So why is this happening? And the Lord took me to this in Ephesians chapter 6. It said, be a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Say power. Most Christians can't even obey this verse because they don't have any power. You shall receive power when what? Acts 1.8. When the spirit of the Lord comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. There's Christians that have been saved. There's Christians that have been water baptized. But even John spoke as he was water baptizing of one coming after him who was greater 
So much greater, he said, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Meaning Jesus, who would baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Hallelujah. Say baptism in the Holy Ghost. You know, in, in Acts chapter 19, Apostle Paul was traveling and preaching, and he came across several believers. Say believers. These weren't pagans. These weren't just Greeks that worshiped other gods. These were believers. And he said, what baptism did you receive when you believed? They said, John's. That means they had been water baptized. But he said, even John spoke of one coming after, and he said the same thing that I just quoted to you. And it says, when Paul laid his hands on them, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak in other tongues. There's a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Say the power. Why am I telling you that? That's where the power is. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. That word power in the Greek, it's the word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. Hallelujah. You ever wonder why some Christians just struggle? It's because they're weak. Why are they weak? Because they've never had that encounter, that supernatural power where dynamite comes on their life. I'm going to tell you, when dynamite comes on you, this dunamis power, it changes you. You know what you'll get? You'll get a boldness for Jesus Christ. You won't just be that little limp-wristed, it's not really sure. It's like a all-consuming, exploding power, a dynamite. Y'all, I'm going to tell you, my mom would tell you, when I was a teenager, you know, I remember, this is a funny story. When I was a teenager, um, I remember like eighth grade, I got my first pimple ever, right? So what does every good mom do? Oh my gosh, we need to get you that proactive stuff. I'm telling you right now, don't put your kids on that junk. That was the worst stuff. That's the worst thing I could have ever done. And when I did that, I started breaking out. I started going through all these changes. And I'm telling you this, as a teenager, what am I, what am I getting at? I, I was just so unconfident in myself. I couldn't even look a, a, a person in the eyes. Which if you, if you see me now, you would think, there's no way, right? You must have just been this outgoing, in-your-face type of you know, aggressive type of person. I really wasn't. Like, I wouldn't even look anybody in the eyes. I just wanted to wear a hood all the time. I didn't want anybody to look at me. I didn't want anybody to hear me. The thought of standing in front of people. I played guitar and sang all throughout high school, and I graduated high school, and nobody even knew that I played the guitar and sung because I was so terrified of anybody hearing me, anybody seeing me. Guys, but I'm going to tell you, something happened when that dunamis dynamite power came on it changed me you know it's like oh some people are introvert and some people are extrovert that's a lie from hell Jesus is not an introvert Jesus is not shy and timid there is no fear of man in him whatsoever and if it's no longer I who live but Christ that lives in me and through me I cannot be introverted I cannot be shy and timid and fearful and that all comes by the power say the power so Paul's saying, you must be strong in the Lord and in this mighty power. Say power. <laughs> Hallelujah. That power changed my life. That power launched me. It launched my wife. It launched this church. It launched everything that the Lord's been begin to do. We're only 26 and 27 years old. I'm telling you, the power of God is a real thing. Don't wait another day. You say, I've lived my whole life, I'm 50 years old, and I don't got that dunamis, I don't got that power, don't wait another day. Guess what, the tray's in front of you this morning, you can grab a hold of it this morning. 
It'll change everything. So he goes on to say this, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Say all the strategies. So I'm going to make this statement, and I'll prove it to you through this passage. The Bible does not teach as a Christian that we go from mountain high to valley low. Right? That's most people's gospel song. Ain't no mountain high. Like, that's just like, that's their idea of life. Right? We go to the mountaintop, and then we go down into the, and you hear stupid things like, how many of you know you can't appreciate the mountaintop unless you first go through the valley? And then you hear the prophet come on. The Lord's got you in a, in a season of the valley. Yeah, that, that's a lie from hell. Come on, somebody. Well, the Lord's got you in a, in a desert season and a season of obscurity. You know, and they're, start, they're referring to the, the Israelites in the wilderness, how they had to stay in the wilderness for 40 years, and then Joshua brought them into the promised land. Y'all, guess what? Jesus, Joshua was a type of Jesus. Amen. In fact, the word Joshua in the word Jesus, the word Jesus in the, in the Hebrew is actually Yeshua. Say Yeshua. Y'all need to turn me down a little bit more because I'm going to get louder than this. <laughs> I don't want to, like, blow your eardrums out. I'm kind of holding back right now. That word Joshua is the word Yeshua, Yahshua, right? So here's our whole picture is that we're not in the wilderness with Moses. We have received the promise. Amen. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding yes and amen. Hallelujah. So we don't have to live through this little, well, I'm going through a dry time, right? And you'll hear people talk like that. They're like, I'm 55 years old, and, and the Lord's just wait. The, the Lord's got us in the desert season and this waiting season, and, 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 he, and it's not true. The Bible says, put on the armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against how many strategies? Say all the strategies of the devil. The believer is to live immune from the hand of the devil. That's powerful when you begin to identify what the hand of the devil actually is. Jesus identified sickness and disease as the hand of the devil. Y'all with me? There was a woman crippled over for 18 years like this, and, the, and Jesus said, this woman has been bound by the devil long enough. Jesus, when he identified somebody that had seizures, somebody that was epileptic, somebody that was blind, somebody that was deaf, somebody that had leprosy, he always dealt with a demonic spirit, and then they would get healed, and they would get free. Right? So if sickness is a strategy of the devil, let me tell you what else is a strategy of the devil. Poverty is a strategy of the devil. Are you with me? Jesus said in John 10, 10, the enemy comes to kill, to still destroy. I came that you may have life and life abundantly. Life abundantly is your soul, your spirit is saved. But the Bible says, I will that you prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. Say prosper. Life abundantly. The Lord wants you well. He wants you healed. He wants you abundantly supplied so that you can abundantly supply his work on the earth. But he also wants you abundantly supplied because he loves you and you're his child. Amen. You know, you got to get that first and foremost too. Everybody believes, you know, in regards to prosperity. Well, God just wants to give me all of this so that I can just 
give it away to somebody else. Well, that's true, but you also have to understand that he's a good father. It says that if, a, if an earthly father, if your child asks you for bread, are you going to give them a stone? No. Say no. You're going to give them a serpent? No. If earthly fathers wouldn't do that, the Bible says how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those that ask him? He wants you blessed because he loves you. Hallelujah. And so it says that if we take on, we can put on God's armor and we'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. All of them. Say all of them. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits and heavenly places. So it says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Say resist. Here's what the, that word resist. It doesn't mean like you're just playing keep away from the devil. The Bible says resist the devil and what? He will flee from you. Say flee. So do you see this picture here? I'm giving you this, these things. I'm giving you this armor in which you will be able to stand firm against every strategy of the devil. Anything that he can concoct in his mind, if you'll do what I say, the Lord says, you'll live immune from each and every attack. Say every attack. Hallelujah. Are you all with me this morning? You'll be able to resist him. What does that mean? By When you put on this armor, you'll resist the devil, and you won't be running from him. He'll be fleeing from you. Praise God. That's a little bit different than most Christianity that you hear about, right? Because most Christians you talk to, they're just beat down by the devil all the time. That's like their whole life. So it goes on to say, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth. Say truth. If you want to write these down, I'm going to give you the five Things that we've went over. I'm not going to preach about these five, but write, over, write down these five pieces of God's armor. Number one, truth. Put on the belt of truth. Then he goes on to say, the body armor of God's righteousness. Say righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news. Say peace. Say shoes. Peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. You know, we talked about this. You can write this down if you're taking notes. That peace that comes, it's the shoes that carry forth the gospel. Here's kind of the point here. There is a divine protection for a soul winner. Are you with me? Why do you think that he said in Mark 16, 17, these signs will follow those who believe? He said, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak in new languages. He said, They'll handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it will not harm them. They'll place their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Why did he throw that in there? What he was actually saying is, just like Jesus said, that he said, the devil, no man can take my life unless I give it willingly. In fact, at the end of Jesus' ministry, he actually prayed and said, Father, I thank you that I have not lost a single one that you've given me. Say divine protection. You guys got to understand that this wasn't just like the United States of America where, you know, they were in a free country and, and with no opposition. Jesus was sending these men out. 
They didn't even have cars. They're walking down desert roads where there's bandits, where there's robbers, where there's people left and right uh, that are trying to kill them. You understand that? And what does Jesus say? Over three years, you've never been killed. You've never been touched. Why? Because my divine, the, uh, my divine covering has covered your life and protected you against every strategy of the enemy. Hallelujah. Y'all stay silent, but then you'll hear Christians say stuff like, well, how many of you know when the Lord's ready to have me, he'll just take me? That's not biblical. Somebody dies of cancer. Well, I guess the Lord was just ready to have another angel. Really? Who did Jesus kill with cancer in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? Who? Who did he? No, he didn't. That's the devil. Say the devil. Jesus didn't come to make people sick. He came and healed people of their sicknesses and their diseases. So there's this divine protection for a soul winner or a person that's in assignment. Amen. And it says this. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith. Say the shield of faith. Man, the shield of faith. I could preach on that all day long. One of my favorite things. And it says this, to stop the fiery darts of the devil. If you read that in the New King James, it says, with which you will quench every fiery dart of the devil. So... What is the shield of faith? It's the promises of God. In Psalms 91, David said, Lord, your faithful promises are my armor and my protection. Hallelujah. So here's, here's the point here. Say the word of God. When applied is the shield of faith. So what is, what is Paul giving us revelation? If you're a believer and you'll take this word, and you'll use it like a shield, you'll come underneath the shadow of the Almighty, right? I'm not talking about a believer that just takes everything that's given to them. That's how most Christians are. Whatever punch is thrown, oh, I get, they're just like a bunch of Calvinists. I guess it was God's will that I got slapped in the face today. No, guess what? Not everything that happens is God's will. You with me? So this is talking about a Christian that grabs a hold of the word and begins to hold it up. And what does it say? It will quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Every assignment against your life. Every assignment against your children's life. Every assignment against your health. Every assignment against your finances. Every assignment against your assignment. You can hold up the shield of faith and not one of his fiery darts will penetrate you according to the word of God. Say immune. Hallelujah. It says, put on salvation as your helmet. Salvation. Say salvation. And so I'm going to wrap this story up here for you. My daughter got sick, and I said, Lord, it's not right that she should be sick. What's going on? And the Lord said, I promised that if you took these specific things that you would be immune from the enemy. So the question is, am I taking these specific things? The Lord had me go through Ephesians and begin to make a checklist. Truth. And I asked myself, Lord, is my truth messed up? Because look, guess what? If I would have went to my truth and it was messed up, there's the compromise. That's where the enemy's getting in. That's where the sickness is getting into my home. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me? Am I speaking like too complicated this morning? Did y'all stay up too late last night? <laughs> Say truth. If your truth is compromised, your armor's compromised. 
You got to have proper doctrine. I'm not going to teach about all of that again. Then the next thing, righteousness. The Lord said, is your truth compromised? I looked at my life. No, Lord, I believe your word. I'm standing on your word. Obviously, my truth's not compromised. If it was, I wouldn't be believing for my daughter to be healed right now. Hallelujah. Next is your righteousness compromised. I looked and said, Lord, is there anything that I've done? Is there any habitual act of sin in my life that I've not repented of? I asked the Lord. No, that wasn't the problem. Next, is my, soul, is my assignment compromised? Lord, have I gotten out of assignment? And I'm going to tell you, you're only anointed when you're in the Lord's assignment for your life. Go ask. You, people think, well, you can just do whatever you want to do. Go take any job you want to take. Go whatever direction you want to go. Ask Jonah how that works. Hallelujah. There's a covering for what God's called you to do. And when you walk down that path, there's a divine power, there's a divine protection that comes behind you. So I said, is my assignment messed up? No. Is my faith messed up? Lord, am I holding up the shield of faith over my family? Am I standing on the promises of God and believing them? And, and you need to learn how faith works. I'm not going to teach on that this morning. I got many CDs in the back. Where, and they're, they're donation only. In fact, if you want one, come to me after service. I'll give them away to you. No, my faith wasn't the problem. Was my salvation the problem? No. I'm saved. Hallelujah. So then I went through this checklist of these five things. My daughter's sitting there with 104 fever. Where's the devil getting in at? No, 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 no. So then the Lord said, what's the next thing? And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. Verse 17. Put on salvation as your helmet, and then here's this piece right here. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the Lord said, your armor is okay, so now take the sword and begin to use the sword. And right then and there, my wife, I told her, she was holding my little fever-ridden daughter. I said, begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, and we'll talk about that some. She began to pray right there. She just began to let it rip, praying in the Holy Ghost. And I began to just take the word of God and use the word of God. Isaiah 53, 5. Matthew 8, 17. Exodus chapter 15. Just began to speak the word of God and command this thing to break according to the word of God. And, and she fell asleep right there in my, in my wife's arms. And when she woke up, two hours later, the fever was completely gone and it never came back again. This is God's strategy for warfare. Say warfare. The Bible, as we read in Ephesians chapter 6, we are in a battle, not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers, authority in the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. You got to understand, you're in a battle. There's a battle against your life. There's a battle against your children's life. So listen to me, especially in this time, don't take your children's future too you can't take your, your children's future too seriously. The enemy wants to kill. He wants to steal. He wants to destroy. And we as Christians have to learn how to engage in spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. So now today, let's talk about the sword of the spirit. So he says this again. He says, take the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. I want you to say the word of God. The word of God. In the armor, the sword is the only offensive piece. 
of the entire armor. So what does that mean? You don't just fight the devil with the shield. You don't fight the devil with the boot. You don't fight the devil with the helmet. You don't fight the devil with the breastplate. There's only one piece that is given, and it is the sword, which is the word of God. So just understand this. The word of God is a sword in the spirit. Are you with me? So here's kind of my point behind saying that. How do you counter every attack in your life? Say the word. Say the word. How do you counter every attack in your life? Say the word. How do you counter every symptom that begins to reveal itself in your body? Say the word. What do you do when something begins to come against you? Say the word. Hallelujah. Say the word. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against evil rulers in this dark age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We're in a battle. Okay, I'm going to help wake you up this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're in a battle. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're in a battle. Right? We're in a spiritual battle. Now, what do we use to engage offensively? Because you've got to understand this too. Not only does God want you to be immune, but God's strategy is not just defense. God's strategy is not used to you to be a Christian that grabs this armor and you're all girded up, but the devil's just boom, 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 and you're just sitting there. Oh, you know, it's not penetrating, but you're just taking blows. He gave us an offensive piece, not to just sit back and take blows, but to go to work and to take ground. Hallelujah. And that is the word of God. Y'all, here's my whole point. The word is the sword. The word is the only offensive piece. But you got a bunch of Christians that say, you know, we're going to see revival in Angelina County. So we're going to meet together in a closet once a week and we're just going to pray. Guess what? Prayer is not the sword of the Spirit. The Word is the sword of the Spirit. So here's my whole point. That if you really want to break a stronghold of demonic power in a city, in a county, what must you do? Say the Word. You must get the word out. You must go to door, door to door and get the word to that person. You must get the word over social media. You must get the word in the schools. You must get the word in the nursing home. You must get the word in the workplace. And the word will go forth like a sword and begin to dismantle those principalities and powers and spiritual rulers that are in opposition against the church. Hallelujah. That's why is prayer important? Yes, prayer is important. But prayer that's not accompanied by soul winning and the preaching of the gospel and the preaching of the word is is absolutely useless. You may say, John, that seems harsh, but it's not harsh. We need both. I'm not telling us to go just preach and not pray. I'm saying we need to do both of those things. Let's get in the prayer meeting and get anointed with the Holy Ghost and then take that word into the street. Say the word. So you need to learn how to yield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And again, this is just 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Hallelujah. My wife says, John, you know, my husband John, he had to learn that the hard way. You know, you get married young and you try to win a war in the flesh, just, uh, you, you know. Anyways. Hallelujah. 
Now it says that our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Say our weapons. But again, out of this weapon that Paul gives us, there's only one that's actually a weapon. It's the sword of the Spirit. Amen. So we don't win battles in the flesh. We win it in the Spirit by using the Word of God. And I hope you get a revelation of this because some of you say, well, my marriage has been suffering. Well, stop fighting and start using the Word. Stop bickering. Stop the counseling. Stop the doctor feeling and the Oprah whimpering. And, and stop watching the view and get the Word of God and begin to put it to work in your marriage, in your household. Hallelujah. Man, I'm just beating the living tar out of my, my teenage children, and they're just not, they're not listening. They're not listening to what I'm saying. They're not doing what I want them to do. Well, you're trying to engage in a physical warfare, but that's not how we fight. We fight spiritual. Our weapons are not physical. They're spiritual. What is that weapon? Say the word of God. Take the word to your kids. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother John, I've just been praying that my kids would like to, like to go, that something comes on them and they just get a desire to come to church. Well, why don't you teach your kids why they must come to church? Why don't you sit down with your kids and have a conversation and say, listen, do you, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Teach them. Uh, in the scripture, there is no form of New Testament Christianity where the believer does not go and gather together with other believers. It doesn't exist. Start using the word and watching those things break down. Amen. Y'all with me this morning? So what's powerful says that this weapon, it's mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. That means that if we're going to break the stronghold in Angelina, we're going to break the stronghold in Texas, the United States, how are we going to do it? Say the word. The word of God. Get behind the word. And can't you see the compromise nowadays that churches have moved to a 45-minute worship service with a 15-minute message? Or you get this idea, you know, and, and maybe this isn't y'all. Like, if you're my generation and you went to Bible college around DFW like I did, you understand this, okay? We're going to go break the principality over DFW. Get your acoustic guitar, climb to the top of the hill, ring, you know, you think you're breaking principalities. That's not in the Bible, my friend. Listen, you may have a genuine, pure heart. That's not in the Bible. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. You want to break that principality in a neighborhood? Go knock on every door and preach the word. And when you do it once, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. And you will dismantle that principality. We will dismantle it in Angelina County because we'll be relentless. Hallelujah. We already got so many plans coming up. We're going to prepare in September. We have a baby coming, but I'm telling you, come October, the Lord delivered sound equipment to us. We're going to be going into apartments. We're going to be going into neighborhoods. We're going to set up sound equipment. We're going to be blessing people, feeding people. But yes, guess what? We're not just going to sing three Kumboya songs and hand out a gift card and say hallelujah. We're going to preach the word of God because that is God's solution to America. Hallelujah. You have to learn to counter every attack. Say every attack. 
Anything that rises up in opposition against you, you must counter it with the word of God, the sword of the spirit. You have to learn how to counter every attack by releasing the word of faith in decree and prayer. Amen. Releasing the word of faith in decree and in prayer. Again, we have not been promised that the devil's not going to try to attack us. No, it says that we are in a battle. Right? So to think that you're going to live in this realm where nothing ever tries to come against you is just false. And then when things start coming against you, wake up. Listen, nothing's wrong with you. Amen. When people start coming against you, guess what? Nothing's wrong with you. Amen. Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you as well. That in the last days, many will turn away from the true faith. They'll hate one another. They'll betray one another. They'll persecute one another. You think you're not going to live in this realm and never have a financial test, never have a health test. God didn't give us faith so that we could just sit in lazy boys and smack the Cheeto stains off of our fingers and watch Netflix. That's not what he gave us faith. In fact, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. So what does that mean? Most of the time, actually all of the time, when you're living a life of faith, you will be walking in direct opposition of anything that you actually see. When God gives you a word, if you're going to carry it out by faith, then there will be no evidence of that word whatsoever. Wow, my, the Lord told me that my whole family's going to serve the Lord, but right now my husband's a heathen and my kids don't want nothing to do with them. You walk by faith, not by sight. That means you continue to push forward, believing what God said in spite of everything that you see with your physical eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Praise you, Jesus. Has God spoken to anybody about a business in here? Has God spoken to anybody about your future in here? You say, well, I feel like I'm small right now. You walk by faith and not by sight, believing that everything that God said is true. Hallelujah. So you have to learn how to counter every attack by releasing the word of faith in decree and prayer. Say every attack. What do you do when you get a report you don't like from the doctor? Say release the word. Why do most Christians die that don't have to die? Is it because they don't love the Lord? No, they love the Lord. But they never learn how to engage in spiritual warfare. So attacks begin to come in their life, and you know what they do? They sit there and they stay silent. Their mouth never opens. They never release that word. They never pick this thing up like a sword and begin to get aggressive and go to work using the word of God. And so they suffer things they don't have to suffer. They suffer things that God paid the price for them to not suffer at all. But if you stay silent, guess what? You're going to stay oppressed. What do you do when you get that, again, that, that health report? What do you do when you get that financial attack? What do you do when you're believing God, but you're like, why is everything breaking down at my house right now? What is going on? Why are these bills coming out of the blue? You know, I'll tell you, this is funny. I was at the river. Listen to this story. Just a few months ago, I was at the river, and I honestly.
that ministry. I had given, I've told you the story how I'd given, given, given that week, given all the money I could afford to give and, and more than I could afford. I mean, I was like, I'm, I'm giving everything, Lord. I'll make sure that we can eat, hallelujah, on the way home. But then I, I'm just going to give. I gave my watch away. I gave the glasses off my head away. And then right after I do all this giving, guess what? I get an email that I had a $900 uh, electrical bill come up at my house. $900. This church's electric bill ain't $900 at my personal house. I'm going to tell you, in your flesh, you're sitting there thinking, what in the heck is going on? Right? And that's where most people live. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe what are we going to do? You know, honey, I don't know what we're going to do. I never had that conversation with her. I was shocked. I was surprised. I was like, what the heck's going on? I need to figure out what's causing that. But I had to get with the Lord. And what did I do? Release the word of God. Release the sword of the spirit. The attack of fear, the attack of anxiety, the attack of the pressure of what I was facing. You have to counter it with the word of God. So for every negative report, you have to counter it with a positive report from the word of God. Oh, you got cancer? You're not going to live past the year. Really? My Bible says he took my sicknesses and removed my diseases. My Bible says in Psalms 91, with long life he shall satisfy me. My Bible says I was beaten so that he could be whole. I was whipped so that I, he was whipped so that I could be healed. Hallelujah. You have to learn how to use the sword of the spirit and release it. Most Christians don't do this, and so they struggle and they stay defeated by the devil. I'll give you an example of this. About coming up on two years, two years ago, my wife was pregnant with Oakland, our second child, our middle child. We were doing things in this ministry. And, you know, this ministry is very young. It's only a few years old. We weren't given this huge building with a million dollars and said, here you go, go chase after the Lord. Everything that we've done, we've had to do it by faith. When we got this church, we had zero dollars and an $800 water bill that was hit, with, hit to us three days after we got this church. Like negative $800 is where we started. Everything that we've had to do, we've had to do by faith, right? Say faith. So again, you need to get a hold of that, just that statement. If you're going to do anything that the Lord's called you to do, you've got to be a man or woman of God that walks by faith. So that means you've got to stop complaining. Stop just wishing, man, I just wish that the test would go away. Why don't you get in the word and overcome the test that you're facing? I sure wish the poverty would just go away. Why don't you prove the word of God in your, why don't you get the word so far in you, just so rooted in your spirit? Why don't you get aggressive with it and begin to obey it, begin to release it, begin to believe it, and watch yourself come out of that hole and pass that test instead of trying to avoid it? Are you with me? That's why the Bible says that when you're tested, you should consider it great joy. For it's an opportunity for your Faith to grow for you to develop endurance. When you develop endurance, it says your faith will grow, be perfected. You'll lack nothing. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So my wife, she was pregnant. Many of you have heard this, and I, I just want to share some of, some of this with you. This is how I yield the sword of the Spirit in my life personally. I have nine pages of decrees 
I would, I would go over every day. I'd go out before the Lord, and I would just decree the word of the Lord over my ministry, decree the word of the Lord over our life, decree the word of the Lord over my unborn child in the womb. And we saw miracle after miracle after miracle take place. I'll turn to this page here. You know how I'd start? Let me just show you this. This is how I'd start my prayer time in the morning. I would start by giving God thanks. Lord, thank you. Hallelujah. Praising Jesus. Just giving him glory. And then I would say this. I would read these scriptures out loud. Say out loud. Mark eleven twenty two through 24. Jesus said, have faith in God for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Right? Therefore, I say, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Then I would read John 14, 13 through 14. Jesus said, you can ask for anything, say anything, in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything, say anything, in my name and I will do it. Not I might do it, I will do it. He said in John 16, 23 through 24, At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you'll ask the Father directly, and he will grant you your requests because you use my name. You haven't done this before, but ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. 1 John 5, 14 through 15, now we have this confidence in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know that he hears us. We know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him, okay? I'd read those verses and I would make this confession. I'd say it out loud. I have the assurance that I receive what I pray for because I prayed to the Father directly in the name of Jesus with the promise that what I ask of him in in the name of Jesus would be done. And I believe the things that I say will be done according to the word of the Lord. I would enter into my prayer time. Okay, before I start making these decrees, I would literally say, the word says if I ask in the name of Jesus, I will receive. And the word says that if I say and believe the things that I say, I'll have what I say. What was I doing right there? What was I doing? I was using the sword of the spirit. I was releasing faith. And such faith would come in me that the next things that came out of my mouth in prayer, I had absolute faith that I was going to receive every single thing that I asked of the Lord. Are you with me? Some of y'all seem bored this morning. Y'all could have went up the road and they're doing movies at, at church, you know, Home Alone, Lost in New York. Maybe that's more up your alley. But I'm, t- I'm trying to teach you how to live in victory this morning. How to never lose again. Hallelujah. So, I'll give you one more example of this. I would pray this. If you don't know our story, my, my wife was diagnosed with all these things. Fifteen things under the sun. They told her, your daughter, she's going to die in the womb. She said that you're going to develop a blood clot 
in the umbilical cord and that child's going to die. And, and my wife before this had had several miscarriages before we got a revelation of the word in regards to healing. So I would go out every day for months before Oakland was born and I would say this. Baby Oakland will be born completely healthy and Carissa is disqualified from complications. Baby Oakland will be born healthy. Most Christians would say, well, Lord, if it's your will, no, his will's very clear in his word. So what would I follow those statements with? Deuteronomy 28.4. The Bible says, blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Hallelujah. The Bible didn't say dead will be the fruit of your body. The Bible said blessed shall be the fruit of your body. The produce of your grounds and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offsprings of your flocks. Deuteronomy 28.11. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land that he swore your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children. How many? Say, many children. Well, if the Lord wants me to have a child, hallelujah, I'll have one. Really, the word tells you that the blessing of the Lord produces many children in you. Hallelujah. Exodus 23, 25 through 26, you must serve only the Lord your God, and if you do, I'll bless you with food and water. I'll protect you from illness. There will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land. And I'll give you long, full lives. I would go and I would begin to decree that along with many other scriptures. And then I'd make this decree. I believe the word of the Lord. It is settled in heaven and on earth. Oakland will be born healthy. Destruction of any kind has lost her address. Oakland is disqualified from death in the womb, according to the word of God. Carissa is disqualified from pregnancy complications, according to the word of God. The blood of Jesus alone disqualifies the devil from touching Carissa and from touching Oakland. I would decree it, I would decree it, I would decree it, I would decree it day after day. What is that? That's yielding the sword of the Spirit. And guess what began to happen as we went through that pregnancy? They came back and said, oh, you got gestational diabetes. Take that sword. Go back. Oh, you don't have gestational diabetes anymore. Man, they said that you got the, the, this problem with your chromosomes. They said that you got this problem with your thyroid. You got hypothyroidism. Go back and take tests, and it, it's completely dismantling every strategy of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I begin to proclaim that word not only over my wife, over my unborn child, over our finances, over our health, over this church. You know, this is probably not the stuff you're supposed to tell people, but I'm going to tell you how real this stuff is. Just this last week, we've had $27,000 be given to this church in the last seven days. Hallelujah. In fact, we bring in a minister, a powerful woman of God, and this is how you know how genuine and legit they are. At the end of the service, she walks up and says, and she I'm, she don't have to toot her horn. I'll toot her horn for her. Hallelujah. She comes up and says, we're believing for an airplane. Me and my family, we need an airplane to do this ministry. Just how they flew in here and they flew out after the service. And she said, we're going to sow a seed. We want to sow a seed. The Lord said, sow a seed into this ministry. It's fertile ground 
for an airplane. She handed us a $10,000 check for this ministry. Guys, I could tell you story after story after story of how we went through a time where it was like, it was dry. I mean, I'm talking, it was, we were walking by faith. But what did we do? Did we quit? Did we shut down? Did we stop doing what the Lord told us to do? No, we took the sword of the Spirit and began to go to work. And guess what? It produced according to how the Word says it will. God did everything that He promised in His Word. If anything, this morning, I pray you're getting faith to begin to believe the Bible. The devil's got a problem in America when Christians begin to actually believe this word. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Come on, someone. I was joking in communion this morning, but I said we were uh, ministering to a lady yesterday. I said I won't tell her 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 denomination, but it it rhymes with Baptist. And uh, (laughs) anyways... I was just picking on her. But anyways, you know, it's funny because she loved the Lord. There's no doubt. She loved the Lord. She'd served him for a long time. But then when we started talking to her, she was, we asked, can we pray with you for anything? You're saved. Great. Hallelujah. Is there anything else we can pray with you for? She's walking on a cane. And she's like, no, we're good. I'm good. And I said, are you, like, you look like something's wrong. Is there something wrong in your body? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, there is. I had chemo, and this is just the results of chemotherapy. Well, that's something we could pray for. Hallelujah. That's something. And we started going through the scripture of how Jesus paid the price for healing and how he said that the believers could lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. And she, oh, you could tell. Just, I've heard it. I know it. Just didn't want to believe it. But I said, wait, now that you know who I'm talking about, you know, the Baptist. I said, you're Baptist, right? Yeah. I said, don't you believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ? She said, yeah, I believe in that. And I said, do you believe in the rapture of the church? She said, I believe in the rapture of the church. I said, so you mean to tell me you believe that Jesus is going to come in the sky, right? A trumpet's going to blast and dead people are going to raise from the ground. And then another trumpet will blast, and we're going to begin to levitate off the ground with these people that just raised from the dead. And then in a second, he's going to transform our bodies and give us a glorified body and then take us into the third heaven with him. Yeah, I believe that. I said, you can believe that, but you can't believe that the Lord will touch you of the sniffles? Come on. I mean, the second one is a lot harder logically to believe than the Lord can touch my body. But... I'm not telling you to believe both of them, hallelujah, because they're both true. But it's just so religious. It's so crazy how people struggle with that. Y'all with me this morning? I'm about to wrap it up here. Say the word of God. I just want to illustrate to you quickly, if you give me a few more minutes. Are y'all Okay. We got friends visiting from Louisiana. We can't, I can't preach a 30-minute little message and patty cake, patty cake, baker's man, and send you home. We got, we got friends that drive every weekend all the way from Katy, Texas. How far is that? Two and a half hours just, just to come be in church with us on Sunday morning. Y'all are like, some of y'all are like, man, this, you know, my religious church does it this way. Well, I'll say what Dr. Rodney says. We ain't at your church. Hallelujah. 
I won't tell you the rest of what he says because it's hilarious, but anyways, Luke chapter 4. Then the spe- Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. Say, tempted by the devil. For 40 days, Jesus ate nothing at all that time and became very hungry. Here's another spiritual principle. This is just a free nugget for you. When you're going through a test, you need to fast. Hallelujah. When you know, like, I mean, you wake up and you're like, I don't know what it is, but if you got the Holy Ghost, you can discern there is something that's, there's an opposition. Don't bow to it. Don't fear it. But what you do need to do is you need to fast. How long do I fast? Fast till, till it's broken. If it's three hours and you're like, well, I'm going to fast and I'll fast till the Lord, until I feel a release, you, you need to fast and then you need to yield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you fast and it'll break. There's been times that that'll come on me where I'll just feel like a war being waged in the heavens. Maybe not even to do with the church. Maybe it is to do with the church. Maybe it's to do with an assignment. The devil's trying to kill somebody in this flock. I have no idea. But I feel it in my spirit. There's something major that's going on right now. And, and when you really are sensitive to the spirit, you don't feel like eating anyways when that's happening. You're not like, oh, man, the devil's trying to do something. Let's go sit down at Long John Silver's and just have a good old time. I mean, you feel like pressing into the presence of God and prayer, and, and, and you know, you just go until you feel a release. You don't have to do it religious. Well, I'm going to fast for 21 days. Well, do it if the Lord tells you. Why don't you just fast as long as the Holy Ghost tells you to? Amen. So he fasted. He became very hungry. The devil said to him, if, so the devil comes and tempts him and says, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus said to him, no, here's what I want you to see. The scriptures say, the scriptures say, the word declares people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I'll give you all the glory of these kingdoms and authority over all of them. The devil said, because they're mine to give to anyone I please. I'll give it all to you if you'll worship me. How did Jesus reply? The scriptures say, say the scriptures say. Say, the scriptures say. You need to learn to get that in your mouth. Hallelujah. The scriptures say. Then the devil took him up to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump. What did he say? For the scriptures say. Hallelujah. Another translation says, it is written. So here's the key. This is how you deal with the attack of the devil. It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. The word, the word, the word, the word is the sword of the spirit. Come on, somebody. Praise you, Jesus. But that's a problem with many Christians because you cannot yield the word if the word's not in you. See, a lot of Christians, they've been fed a lie. In this generation, you're told, you don't have to pray, you don't have to fast, you don't have to give. Heck, you don't even have to show up to church. Hallelujah, we are the church. I am the church. I just do my own thing in my own living room. It, not in the Bible, my friend. Not in the Bible. 
It's not. But that's what you're told as a Christian. And so what do you have? A bunch of people that claim Jesus with their mouth, but they don't know him. They don't spend time with him. The av- how, much Christian, how, many, how much time do you think the average Christian spends in the word of God? And if you're not a Christian in here, you're just coming into this. I am not kicking your butt. I'm kicking all the other people's butts that have been in this for long enough to know better. Hallelujah. How much time do you think the average Christian spends in the word? Not much. If any at all. But yet the Bible says, for example, in Psalms chapter 1, that those that delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it, how often? Day and night. If you'll meditate on it day and night, it says you shall be trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Your leaves never wither. You prosper in all that you do. Say day and night. Say night and day. People understood even in times past, now that I'm a believer, I devote myself to this word. You have a responsibility to get the word in you. Hallelujah. Get the word in front of your eyes. Get the word in your spirit. Get the word in your mouth. Praise God. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. And I'm going to end with this today. Some of y'all say, no, keep preaching. Some of y'all say, praise God. (laughs) Praise God. He's almost done. Look at this. Verse 18, the Lord speaks and says, commit yourself wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Say wholeheartedly. With your whole heart. With your whole heart. You know, and again, it's just that right there, it's just so fundamental and pivotal. If Christians would do that, so many problems would be solved. If people would get saved, why do people fall out of the faith? Why do people backslide? Because they don't do this wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Say wholeheartedly. Here's my whole point. Did you know statistically the average Christian in America goes to church once every six weeks? That's not wholeheartedly. And I'm not just talking about going to church. I'm talking about a living relationship with God. Where you give yourself wholeheartedly to these words. Are y'all with me? Man, I'm telling you, you've got to be consuming the word. You've got to be reading the word. You've got to be listening to the word. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What's wrong with a person if they have the Holy Ghost that they can spend seven hours on Netflix, but they have a problem turning on YouTube and listening to a man or woman of God preach the word? What's the problem going on that a Christian can't show up on a Friday night to a service to receive impartation? It's like, what else? What else? And I'm not talking about the rare little fluke, I know things come up. I'm talking about systematically in your life, there's there's Christians, they just neglect the word of God. So it says, commit wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Look what he says, teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. When you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So you see what, 
Talk about them to your children. Teach them. Write them on the, on the doorpost of your home. Write them on your foreheads. Write them on your hands. So that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Hallelujah. Say, put the word in front of me. You need to get it in you. You need to get it in front of you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.